everyone, this is your host, Jessa. And I'm Anne. And this is Podcast, a podcast that aims to delve into the whereabouts and whatnots of the running candidates to help our Filipino people in deciding who to vote in the nearing 2022 national and local elections. Just a disclaimer, Jessa and I are political analysts, nor graduates or students of political science. Yes, we are merely mass communication students from UP Baguio, so it will be much better for you to explore and make research about aspiring politicians or your preferred candidates because what we have here is just subtle theories and formed opinions. So for today's episode, we're going to talk about the necessity of attending debates and interviews hosted by Varus Media. This has become the talk of the town as Jessica Saw's presidential interview came out, then followed by SMNI, Boya Bunda, etc. Further, we were also highly inspired by the election debates produced by Debatable with Kalamina on Spotify. Since we're talking about debates here, I will let Anne do the talking for she has at least some experience in this field. I'm just going to butt in my questions and thoughts every now and then. Um, sure, sure. But just another disclaimer, I have started debating for only a couple of months from now. That's why I only have a gist of how debate works in colleges. Well, at least what I can proudly say, I mean confidently say is that there is a nuance between college and national debates. Okay, so let's talk about the importance of attending electoral debates and interviews. How do you think it becomes necessary? Well, personally, I think of communication as, you know, the basic foundation of our society. Like, we can express our thoughts freely and do actions that correspond to what we have in mind because of communication. So, in this particular case, I think these platforms can be used by running candidates to communicate with Filipino voters, tell their programs, what they want to do with their country for the next six years. Well, let's say that some of the Filipinos have already made up their mind of who to vote for prior to the sediment. So basically what we I mean so basically the role of electoral debates and interviews can help the undecided voters to make up their minds because they'll get a chance to hear their platforms, hear the long-term alternatives provided by the candidates to existing ballot solutions. Moreover, it can influence people to dissuade from one comp to another, especially when they hear what they want to hear online. Well, since we're in this topic, um, how do you think a candidate wins a debate? Um, that's actually a good question, though, because um, the so-called winner in an electoral debate isn't called out. The panels won't like um, directly tell the public who won this round, that round, and etc. But I think we can use the rhetorical triangle of Aristotle and weighing the performance of the candidates. How did they do? Did they do it right? What are its impacts on the viewers or audience? So yeah, let's start with Athos or the speaker's credibility. So the stage presence or charisma of, let's say, the candidates becomes a vital factor in the voters' perception of them. Who are they going to vote for and why? 
for example, we have here um, President Duterte. Well, President Duterte had really become known for his change. I mean, quote-unquote changes coming in the 2016 national local elections. He kept on insisting that he will alleviate the drug cases within a few months if ever is elected as a president. So thereby, he was perceived to be charismatic, a new face, a mayor from Mindanao that wants to instigate change. Right. I remember that the audience can ask the candidates before, and I think there was this fisherman who asked President Duterte regarding the issue in the West Philippine Sea. Like, he asked him, what is he going to do with it if ever elected as the president? And then he answered, I will go there using a jet ski and put a Philippine flag on it. Um, something like that. Um, which is kind of frustrating, I think. It's for me. Well, that's right, because as today, we have Teddy Bagilat, who was known for his tagline, Katutubo sa Senado, or Kaledi for his quote-unquote, Manggagawa naman sa 2022. People who have integrated themselves among the masses. That's right, Jessa. Um, they use their status and campaignings. Um, since they have mere experience of how it feels to be part of the marginal sector, they can genuinely represent this group in every electoral debate or interview, which, you know, strengthens somehow their credibility as a speaker. From here, we can jump onto pathos or the emotions being instilled by the candidates to the audience. You see, um, we have Kaliyogi, for example, a labor leader who keeps on mentioning, who keeps on bringing up the struggles of the masses whenever he gets an opportunity to do so. That's why he was recognized after the SMNI's presidential debates. He easily touched the hearts of the Filipinos by sharing narratives, personal narratives, experiences of our Filipino workers or Mangagawa. Like, um, for example, we don't have national minimum wage which is a very critical problem in our society nowadays. Especially that, you know, the insulation rate here in our country just keeps on rising. So yeah, um, as for him, um, people from provinces have to travel to far land just to earn higher amount of salary, which is actually saddening because the regional wage here in Metro Manila is only about 537 pesos. Um, yes, it's really nice to hear that someone like Kalayodi is running for a higher position. His way of campaigning is something that a lot of Filipino people could relate to. With this, let's move on to logos. How do you think will the audience appreciate the message being imparted by the candidates? Um, well, as Miguel Enrique has said, Message discipline as an indispensable factor in delivering speech. But what does message discipline mean? Um, it's when you tie back your arguments to your conclusions. Like in the electoral debates, the running candidates have to tie back the team of their campaigns to their platforms. For example, we have um, VP Lenny Robredo as to sa gobyerno tapat ang at buhay lahat. Wherein she, wherein she often associates it with what the OVP had done during the course of the pandemic, their programs during the course of the pandemic. 
And then we have here Mayor Escomoreno, who keeps on telling the public that what he had done in Manila will be done in the Philippines if ever got a chance to be elected as a president. Then here is a Laxon Soto Tandem, who always emphasize the policies they have legislated in the Congress with the, the platforms they are presenting to the public right now, i.e. graft and corruption. Well, speaking of Tito Soto, what can you say about the heated argument between Walden Bello and him during the SMNI vice presidential debate? Oh, <laughs> you know what? It was all over my newsfeed. So, yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good thing that both of them engaged with the arguments of each other. Engagements happened when you respond to your opponent with substance. And it's really an important thing, you know, when it comes to debate. <laughs> if you remember what happened between Luke Espirito and Harry Rocket in the senatorial debates. So, um, Espirito unraveled the past of Rocket in relation to martial law, serving as a human rights lawyer back then, and then running under the party of Marcos at the present. He questioned this somehow, um, um, credentials, right? So, in debates, um, engagements or let's say, in our term, as communicators, um, philosophical leisure are generated to make an interactive dialogue. You see, they shared a common ground. So there aren't queers that are confined or like gatekeeper in a bubble. It's necessary for achieving a recuperative praxis. So what is a recuperative praxis? Recuperative praxis, according to Halba, redirects an individual to a reflective mode of communication. Reflection will occur due to the generation of thoughts and ideas that happen in engagements. And what do you think is the effect of Duterte Marcos not attending debates and interviews to the Filipino voters? Hmm. One thing's for sure. It affects the coordination processes. Well, according to Peace and Cronin, coordination in the context of communication is the sense of message sequencing. So there are five, I mean four rather, four subcategories of coordination processes that affect how voters view the candidates. So first is the resources, and the next is the constitutive rules. Then we have the regulative rules, and lastly, the unwanted repetitive patterns. So first is the resources. Resources constitute stories, symbols, images, and etc. So in this particular context, this is the campaign theme of the candidates. As for the Marcos Duterte, they are campaigning for unity. And as for them, they are campaigning for unity. However, um, interviewers just keep on rummaging through the martial law whenever Marcos gets interviewed. She think is unnecessary because they wanted us to move forward in the future and forget what happened in the past. That is so right. I often hear that they are not after negative campaigning, but that's not happening here because those are facts. And we want someone to be held accountable for the tragedy that had happened. So in line with this, we can insert the constitutive rules wherein these two individuals choose to repetitively decline invitations for electoral debates and interviews. 
that actually pave for unwanted repetitive patterns or they tend to neglect to attend all the interviews and debates. So that's why supporters of other camps are clamoring. Why would some still vote for them despite being absent in several interviews and debates that had happened? That is so true, right? But I think it's their way of preserving themselves. As you know, other people say, fewer mistakes, last word. They couldn't make more mistakes if they won't attend debates and interviews that will just target their past, perhaps. Okay, since we have uh, brought the quote-unquote unity thingy as their campaign team, I have a question for you, Jessa. What is it? Um, it actually has become trending on Twitter. People are saying that their only platform is all about unity and nothing else apart from that. As you know, a communication student, what can you say about that? Well, I think people have perceived them as a non-effective communicator, especially Bongbong Marcos, who keeps on repeating unity, pagkakaisa, and quote-unquote, babangon muli. I know that it's his way of being remembered, perhaps. Uh, it's a political rhetoric. But the problem here is that he's relying on buzzwords, and I think it diminishes the legitimacy of their platforms. Hmm. That's why it's really important for us to make some research with our preferred candidates. And, of course, practice, you know, um, being, a, being, a, being an effective communicator. <laughs> share the common ground with other people to achieve um, an efficient communication. Well, yeah, that's right. We have to be wary of who to vote for because they will navigate the next six years of this country. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I think we can add our podcast here. Uh, and so to end our podcast, we would just like to say that vote wisely, Filipinas. And of course, thank you for listening.